Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Just starting off really bad today. Proverbs chapter number six. Proverbs chapter number six. Begin reading the verse 12. This is our our setting scripture for the series that we are in. That's entitled Seven Things God Hates. Verse 12 starting Proverbs six. A naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a forward mouth. He winketh with his eyes, he speaketh with his feet, he teacheth with his fingers. Forwardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually, he soweth discord. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly, suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. Six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations feet that be swift in running to mischief a false witness that speaketh lies and he that soweth discord among the brethren seven things God hates this morning we want to concentrate and zone in on lying tongues today lying tongues today Lord Jesus thank you this morning God I count it a high honor and privilege to be here I count it Lord Jesus God a privilege to be able to come into a sanctuary Lord a building lift up hands and voices Lord of praise Lord unto you God still having Lord freedoms like that Lord in the country in which I live I'm grateful today for that don't want to take it for granted, Lord, but I want to, Lord, savor every moment, Lord Jesus, that we have here today. God, with the brothers and the sisters of the Lord, I pray, God, now help us, Lord, to learn from the word of the Lord. God, we know there's words in here that's profitable, Lord Jesus, for God, our rebuke, God, for our discipline, for doctrine. I pray, oh God, today, let it be all of that and even more, Lord Jesus, to us today. God, open up our lives, God, to it, and we'll not fail to thank you for it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ. I pray amen and amen God bless you this morning look at your neighbor and smile at him before you're seated amen I know that you're happy happy to see him happy to be here happy 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 if you allow me to set the stage here just a little bit for our subject matter of lying today I'd like to share with you a little bit of information and perhaps some Stats, And so I'm not going to just rush right through these, but I want your mind to ponder each one of them. So with that being said, consider some of these. By age four, 90% of children have grasped the concept of lying. Americans tell an average of 11 lies a week. The percentage of adults who admit, that's the key word, the percentage of adults who admit to telling lies, either sometimes or often, 
It's 12%. Most people, most, okay, most people lie an average of four times a day, which equate to 1,460 lies every year. A tenth of those type of lies are just exaggerations, although I don't want to just really use the word just, just to downplay it, but they are exaggerations. 60% were outright deceptions. The percentage of people who lie at least once during a 10-minute conversation is 60%. As a matter of fact, within those 10 minutes of the study that was made, that at least qualification was that on average three lies were told within that 10-minute conversation. If you were to ask liars if they would tell their lies again, 70% would tell you absolutely. We would. Everybody doing okay? No, I'm not lying to you. <laughs> Common reasons for lying, number one, to save face. Don't want to look bad in front of somebody else. You know, it's kind of like if they said they have done something or seen something or heard something, then you'll agree that you've heard and seen it also, although you have not. Because you don't want to seem as though you, you, you haven't been exposed to the same thing they've been exposed to. Another reason why people lie is they shift blame. You lie whenever you shift blame. Don't want to take ownership for maybe something that you have done, and so you pawn it off on somebody else. Lying. Another reason why people lie is because they want to avoid confrontation. This happens many times within the realm of marriage. Is everything fine? Yeah, everything's fine. Everything's okay, and everything's not fine. Everything's not okay. Everybody didn't okay? Someone just lied to me. No. <laughs> number four. Number four, people lie. And number four, the reason why people lie, to get their own way. To lie to get their way, to be manipulative, if you will. To lie to get their own way. Number five, a reason why they lie is to be nice. <laughs> How'd you like that vegetable soup I made you? Oh, it was really good. Little did they know it hit the toilet. Number six, reason why people lie is to make yourself feel better. Sometimes this happens, well, not sometimes, a lot of times it happens even within uh, the workforce or people that's going to apply for jobs, so on and so forth, trying to uh, kind of put a little fodder in the resume to make their education and their experience better than what it really was. On average, the ladies are probably going to like this, but on average, men are twice as likely per day to lie to their parents, boss, and colleagues as women are. As a matter of fact, the daily average for men is six lies, while the average then for ladies is three lies per day. According to psychology today, men are more prone to lying about themselves. Typical conversation between two guys, they say, contains about eight times as many self-oriented lies as it does falsehoods about other people. They say that lies, they're, they're, what they've studied, lying is considered more common among phone calls than face-to-face -face chats. So if you really want to get down to the, 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 the nitty-gritty with someone, don't call them on the phone. Talk to them face-to-face. And for sure, be wary 
of the social media interactions. Everybody doing okay? A study by Scientific America showed a whopping of 70% of people. This is concerning dating online. 70% of people looking for a date online lie in their profile. For women, listen to this. For women, on average, they claim to weigh eight and a half pounds less than they really do. And for men, they say they are taller, richer, and more and better educated than they actually are. Guess what is the most common lie that is told by both genders? Comes back to the nothing's wrong, I'm fine. That's the most common lie that both genders share. Nothing's wrong, I'm fine. This morning, whenever we look back to the origin of the lie, the origin of the lie, we understand why it is among the things in Proverbs 6 that God hates. Because it was the first lie, from what I can glean, the first lie that jeopardized, that jeopardized Adam and Eve from being able to stay in that paradise of God, the Garden of Eden, in the book of Genesis. It is the first lie, to my knowledge, that is the one that was told not by an individual so much so, but by the serpent in the garden to Eve whenever he said, Eve, ye shall not surely die. If you were to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, ye shall not surely die. But those words that were spoken to Eve were in direct conflict with God's words that he had already spoken to Adam, telling him, thou shalt surely die. Thou shalt surely die. And so when we see that line from the very beginning, from its start, was nothing more but in direct opposition to the words of God, then it goes to reason that it cannot be smiled on by God. If the very first lie was in opposition to the command of the Lord then the Lord for sure is not going to smile upon this idea, concept, or this thing that we call lying. And neither should it be practiced by us today. It should not be practiced by us. It seems that, it seems that we, learn, we learn the improper use of our tongues for lying quite well from just the statistics. I told you, some people do it a part of their everyday life and they even don't realize they do it anymore just become a way of life for some people having the ability to lie or what some people call white lies I don't know if they're white, black, yellow, orange or red but they're lies wow, someone say amen as a matter of fact whenever the Lord whenever the Lord asked Cain where is Abel thy brother what was the answer that Cain started to give to the Lord he said I know not Yet they had both been over there in the field not long ago, and he had just killed him. But he says, I know not. And so even the very first recorded word spoken by man after he was, had his exit shown to him from the Garden of Eden, the very first words that we have recorded of man is, again, a lie. The first generation of humanity, Adam and Eve, first generation was lied to by the serpent. And then in the second generation... With Cain, amen, he's now practicing lying. And so we got to be very careful today. We got to be careful today 
not to practice or to perpetuate what we have been victims of. Because sometimes in, in different spectrums of life, even outside of lying, sometimes cycles of violence, cycles of abuse, all types of things on many different levels, many times the victims then become the predators. The victims then become the predators. And so here's the first generation of humanity. They were lied to. And now the second generation are becoming liars. Developed in the exact same way. And so there are several verses throughout the word of the Lord that talk about lying lips or lying tongues or lying mouths. And when we realize that we are speaking creatures, man, women, uh, we are speaking creatures and that the members in our bodies, they, they help aid us, of course, in our, our language. That member called the tongue helps, helps aid us in our language. And James says that it's, it's an unruly member. Then we must understand that all of us, based upon that, we are prone to this mistake of lying. Number one, because we're speaking creatures. Number two, because the, the member that is used to articulate and give language is from the starting line, an unruly member. James even says it's full of deadly poison. So it's understandable this morning that our mouths are going to get us in trouble sometimes. That our tongues are going to get us into trouble sometimes. Especially when you consider that one-fifth of our life is spent talking. One-fifth of your human life is spent talking. And so there's a good probability your mouth, your tongue, your speech, what you say is going to get you in a heap of trouble. Because a fifth of your life is spent talking as a matter of fact we speak a tremendous number of words a day somebody calculated that we probably put together a 54 page book every day and that in a year we probably produce 66 800 paged books that's a lot of talking folks and some of you got more volumes than what i could put out amen and so if you take the amount of talking that we are prone to because we're speaking, we're speaking creatures, and then you couple that with a member in the body that no man can tame, that is unruly, that is full of deadly poison, you have a concoction for disaster. The Bible says in James 3 and verse 5, he says, Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. It is set on fire of hell. Verse 7, for every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Full of deadly poison. And so I believe it's safe this morning uh, to glean from the scripture reading there that if the tongue is left to itself, if the tongue, might I say, is left unsanctified, uh, left un unchanged, that it is without any control. It's, it's unruly. It's full of deadly poison. It is a fire. And by nature then, by nature, our tongues are defiling. By nature, our speech is not wholesome. 
by nature we are making mistakes and in a fix whenever it comes to our speech and our language. Verse 6 tells us that it is a fire, not that it is as a fire. It is a fire. It is a world. It's small. It's very small compared to many other members of our body, but it is a world of iniquity. All within itself. Verse 8 says that it's unruly evil, full of deadly poison. It's very small in comparison to many things, but it has the capacity of grand destruction. It has the capacity of grand impact. And the fact of the matter is, it's bent, it's bent toward that type of activity. That's it, that, that that's the way that it seems to operate. Lying, or the way that somebody uses their tongue, or the way that somebody uses their mouth, it goes deeper than just an unruly member. It goes deeper than just a part of the body that is full of deadly poison. But when the way someone uses their tongue normally correlates or normally represents the status of the person's heart. I know you thought your tongue was attached to that skin and stuff inside your mouth, but really it's all the way attached to your heart. Now that, that is not an anatomical correct statement, but that for my purpose it's a correct statement. It is a, your tongue is attached to your heart. In the list of Proverbs there, Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19, when you begin to look at that list, and he goes to the things that the Lord hates and those things that are abomination, he moves in a direction seemingly from the head to the feet. You know, first it's a proud look, then it's a lying tongue, then it's hands that shed innocent blood, right? Feet. That, that runs swiftly to do this. It's kind of going from a head to a feet type of, type of correlation. And what we start to learn, though, in all this, it even touches on the heart, what we start to learn, and we understand this, but maybe all don't, we learn that, that the inward character of who we are, the inward character of the man or the woman that we are, many times is known by our speech and other outward body languages of what we do with our hands, what our eyes look at where our feet go many of those outward outward indicators are nothing more but indicating the real character of the inward man if you'll notice again look up verse 12 in proverbs 6 speaking of the naughty wicked man as i've I've come to call him the naughty wicked man walketh with a forward mouth the bible says And what that is telling me is this. Even before I read it in verse 14, it's telling me that that man must then have a forward heart. And that bears to be true in verse 14. The Bible says that this man's forwardness is in his heart. And so forwardness is in his mouth because forwardness is in his heart. And there is a connection between what we say and what's in our heart. There's a connection in our speech and what is in our heart. The forwardness in the heart for the naughty wicked man was seen in the forwardness of his speech. Furthermore, New Testament scripture bears it out as well. In Luke 4 and verse 45, the Bible says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil, for of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh of the abundance for of the abundance of his heart his mouth speaketh in other words 
what comes out the mouth was in excess in the heart of the abundance of the heart. What came out the mouth was in excess in the heart. In other words, it don't come from the lips if there's a shortage supply in the heart. Typically, we talk about what we're passionate about, right? You talk about your kids because you're passionate about your kids. You know what? You, you can find out very quickly what a person is interested in. Just tra- track, their, track their speech, track their language, track what they talk about. You'll see where their heart is by the things that they talk a lot about. You, you talk, so you know someone is a sports fanatic. If they talk a lot about, you know, the scores of the game. So, so you're going to find out a lot about the character of what goes on, the ponderings of their heart through their language, what, they're, what, they're, what they are passionate about. You know, you've heard the old cliche, the saying that some people wear their heart on their sleeves. But everyone at one time or another have exposed their heart with their mouth. <laughs> you know the old saying, what's in the well comes up in the bucket. Anybody heard that? What's in the well comes up in the bucket. Your tongue is playing the bucket sometimes for the well of your heart. The well of your heart. And seldom does, seldom does our excuse, and we use this. I don't know if it's necessarily well played, but seldom does our excuse, I didn't mean to say that, really work. <laughs> because when we say we didn't mean to say something, many times... I, I, I hate to say this, but many times that's just a lie to save face. What we really mean is that we said something we could pick up on. Maybe it didn't set well with the person we said it to or others that were around about us. And as a result, then we started feeling a little guilty about what we said. And so we followed up with, well, I didn't mean to say that. Reality It came out of our mouths because we had a superabundance of it in our heart. Amen. We had a superabundance of it in our heart. And what we really didn't like was feeling guilty for something that we said. Amen. And so we want to retract that. And we want to say, well, I I didn't mean to say that. Amen. The Bible in verse 12, again, that word forward in verse 12, it means distorted. In the Hebrew, it means distorted. It means false, false, false mouth or perverse mouth. And then when you come down to verse 14 and there's the word forwardness there, again, it seems very, very uh, uh, apparent that it should mean perversity since the forward meant perverse. But it also means to turn constantly, uh, to turn about or over, to change there in the Hebrew. And so it is, it, it's a heart that is changing or turning about, giving giving, if you will, birth to disorder and perverseness from the mouth. There is a heart that's not, not that, that, that isn't stationed, that isn't sure, that isn't resolute. And it brings to my mind whenever James said that a double-minded man, which the word minded there can also be hearted or sowed, a double-hearted man, a double-sowed man is unstable in all of his ways, and that includes his speech. It can't be trusted. It flips and it flops. It changes. It changes directions. And even James speaks how in the world he, he considered that, that, that the heart and the tongue, it being like a fountain. How can it on one hand bless God whom it does not see and then curse man who is made out of the similitude of God? How come from the same fountain come forth both bitter and sweet waters? Amen. Because the heart, 
Because the heart is in a condition of forwardness, perhaps, and it turns about. It flips and flops on one on one uh, no um, point. It can it can bless and it can encourage, and on the other point with somebody else, it can curse, huh? It can backbite, or it could lie because of the forwardness of the heart and so what I'm, what I'm beginning to learn a little bit here this morning is this is that when we consider the proud the proud look and the lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood and feet that are swift to do mischief and all these things sometimes and I know I preached this somewhere in my past before but sometimes we are we are trying to diagnose symptoms rather than diagnosing problems we're trying to take care you know of the cause you know rather than getting to what the origin of the cough is you cannot somehow put a thumb upon a proud look or a lying tongue with going to where the source of all that comes from and that is the heart someone say amen the heart and so God hates lying tongues lying along with deception that's that's an offense to God because these are the, the exact same tools that the serpent has used, the devil has used for centuries all throughout the historical record of the Word of God up to the New Testament and still at work today. He's constantly using the tools, the enemy of lying and deception. And in a sense, this goes real close with pride that we looked at a few weeks ago. In a sense, when we lie, we're acting a lot like the devil. John 8, 44, ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and behold, not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it. There is no truth in the devil. There is no truth in the devil. Therefore, whenever he speaks a lie, he is being true to his nature. He is a liar. And he is, according to the garden, an originator of the lie. Amen. And so we don't want to, if you will, get in uh, cohorts, if you will, with the adversary and become frequent or, for that matter, to become liars. Because we are characterizing ourselves along the lives of the adversary. Well, what big, I tell you what the big deal is. The Bible says that you're going to be able to know the spirit of the Antichrist in the last days and that man of sin of perdition that will rise because his workings will be after the workings of Satan. He will have signs and wonders and power, but there'll be lying signs, lying wonders, and lying things of that nature. Folks, I don't want to be associated with that. I don't want to be by buy into that Lord help to make my speech pure my heart pure my mind pure someone say amen Paul told the church at Thessalonica that the coming of the Antichrist would be according to the working of Satan you can look at it in 2 Thessalonians 2 and 9 it's all around this concept of lying Proverbs 12.22 reintroduces to us again and just hits the nail on the head again. Tells us that lying lips are abomination to the Lord. But they that deal truly are His delight. And here's the thing. If we are ambassadors for Christ, and we should be. The Apostle Paul said that we are. If we are ambassadors for Christ, 
Christ walked upon this earth for some about 33 and a half years. He went away, but he left a bride. He left a church. He left a representative in the earth. And we are the ambassadors of Christ. And if we are the ambassadors of Christ, and yet we lie, then we have grossly misrepresented God. We have grossly misrepresented heaven. Because in the book of Numbers, the Bible plainly says that God is not a man that he should lie. We have grossly misrepresented the master whenever we choose lie over truth. When we choose lying over being truthful. Now, let's, let's look, if you will, this morning at some of the concepts about lies or some of these concepts about lying. First off, let's consider this. Regarding a lie, that is listening to a lie, believing a lie, whenever you know that it is a lie. Regarding a lie and lying are both dangerous. Being the liar or being a willful recipient of the lie. When you're not being, when you're not being taken advantage of or deceived are both dangerous spots. The Bible says that a righteous man hateth lying. That's what it says, Proverbs 13, 5. Righteous man hateth lying. Now, I understand. I understand. I've been there. I've been, I understand there's times I've been lied to, and I didn't know I was being lied to. We've all been there, and that's kind of really the whole purpose of the nutshell of a lie, right? Try to get by with something. So I understand we've all been deceived at times. But I know there have been other times when I've known better. When I know, I knew better. Right? Um, um, even my, I know sometimes when someone came talking to me, maybe even about somebody else, and it was a lie, I knew better. So what do you do with a lie when you know you're being lied to? Someone say amen. Because to be a liar is dangerous, but to be a recipient of a lie when you know it's a lie is dangerous as well. I got Bible today. The Bible says, the psalmist David, Psalms 31 and verse 6. Here's what David says. He says, I have hated them that regard lying vanities. David says, I'm not too happy about those that regard, that give ear to, that accept lying vanities. But I trust in the Lord. He then says in verse 18, just a few verses down, he says, let the lying lips be put, be put to silence, which be grievous things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous so david is upset on two measures he's upset he's upset about those who regard or give ear to the lie and he's upset about the liars he's upset about those telling them and he's upset about those who are listening to him amen and he just wants some silence and i think perhaps the new testament sheds a little bit of light upon this as well in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25, amen, as Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, he commands them. He says, wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Now, here's the thing. Oh, that lie, that will just affect this scenario, or that will just affect this. No, 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 no. Lying affects all. Lying affects all. 
it affects the liar and it affects the one that was lied to. How in the world might you know, Brother McGee? I mean, how, how you might ask, what in the world? It affects all because the Bible says there in Ephesians, we are members of one another whenever it concerns the body of Christ. And so if you've lied to somebody else, whether you're the recipient or you're the perpetuator, that affects the body of Christ. That affects the body of Christ. You have afflicted the body. When you thought it was an isolated thing over here on left field, that has affected the body of Christ because we're all supposed to be a part of this same body. Oh, someone say amen. And so here's the thing. Some people lie to others because they say they want to protect them. I did that to protect them. It's better off that I've done that. I didn't want to hurt them, so I did that. So I protect them. I didn't want to hurt them. But the Bible has a whole different perspective about what we have perspectives about. The Bible says in Proverbs 26 and verse 28, a lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it. I didn't say that. I didn't say that's the word of God. A lying tongue hateth. That's a strong word. Hateth those that are afflicted by it. In other words, if you are lying to someone, you're not doing that for them good. You're not trying to protect them. You're not loving them. The Bible says you hate them. You, you, you hate them and look at it that are afflicted by it. And a flattering mouth worketh ruin. See, the problem with lying is this. Most lies are eventually found out. Proverbs also says that a lying tongue is but for a moment. They're eventually found out. And the difficult with lying is this, that you have to have a good memory or you're going to get caught. So if you're above the age of, no, never mind. <laughs> Don't be lying. You have to have a good memory or you're going to get caught. Because if you can't remember what you lied about or how you lied about, then you're not going to be able to relay it the next time. And you know you got to follow this whole little, you know, root system of your lie in order to keep it safe. Honey, you're eventually going to get caught. And the thing is, if we don't get caught in this life, we'll get caught in the next life. And something that, G, that was spoken in the book of Revelation that he made clear concerning the idolaters and whoremongers and everybody else that would find their place in the lake of fire, which is the second death, he said, all liars. We're not escaping the thing. I remember I told Brother Terry this not that long ago. I remember this so very well. I don't remember if I was in person or I heard it. But I remember Pastor Carpenter years ago, Nolan, uh, his, his youngest boy, now teenage 20, actually in his 20s, was a young little boy. And his boy had told a lie. And his daddy caught hold of it. Son, he wanted his son to know so bad the importance of not lying. He said, Nolan, don't you know you're not supposed to lie? Don't you know that's against God? Don't you know all liars go to hell for lying? And he opened up the front door. He said, come get him, devil. Come get him. He's been lying. Now, we laugh at that and joke, but I'm telling you today, I'd like to open up the proverbial doors of the back church for all of us today. I don't know when his coming is, but all liars have their place in the lake of fire. Amen. Now, these, these off, you know, well, I just, you know, twisted the truth just a little. Mark Twain said this, thought it was interesting, thought it maybe shined light on this a little bit. He said, 
You said the difference between the right word and the almost right word is like the difference between lightning and the lightning bug. There's a story in the Old Testament. Story in the Old Testament of a character by the name of Doeg, the Edomite. Some may not have ever heard of Doeg. The Edomite. You can read of him in 1 Samuel 22. This Edomite had ratted out, so to speak, David. David had went to the temple and uh, he had received some holy bread from the priest Ahimelech. He received the sword of Goliath back from Ahimelech. And so in 1 Samuel 22, Saul is learning of some of the actions of David. And uh, Doeg speaks up and says, well, I saw, I saw David over in the temple with Ahimelech the priest. And he tells Saul the truth, but he adds one little extra element. This is like the right word to almost the right word. So he tells him the truth, and he adds one little bit of element to the truth. Indeed, Ahimelech the priest had given David bread. That was true. Indeed, Ahimelech had given David the sword of Goliath that had been behind the, the ephod. That is true. But contrary to the words of Doeg, he puts in this little extra portion. He says that Ahimelech had inquired of the Lord for David at this particular time. And whenever they went to get Ahimelech the priest and bring him before Saul, Saul begins to question him. What are you doing giving David bread? And what are you doing giving him the sword of Goliath? And what are you doing inquiring of the Lord for him? And Ahimelech's like, hey, don't, don't lay too much charge to me. And he says, concerning did I ask the Lord of anything for David? He said, I did not. Wasn't saying that he had not given bread. He had not given the sword. But what he was saying was this, somebody's lied on me. Somebody's lied on me, and here is the condition of that day. And I don't know. I don't know if the outcome of this day would have been different uh, for Ahimelech uh, uh, and the 85 priests had that lie not taken place, that, that additional uh, information that was just a lie among the truth. But at the day's end, the Bible says that Ahimelech and 85 priests of that locality, along with their wives and with their children and their livestock, they were all slain that day for what was done. And here's the thing. Whenever Saul says, you guys need to fall upon Ahimelech, and you need to fall on these 85 priests. You need to take their lives. The Bible says that no one laid a finger on these priests. Nobody laid a finger on Ahimelech, the man of God, whenever Saul ordered it. But Doeg, whenever Saul ordered him, the liar, to do it. You with me? Whenever he ordered the liar to do it, he carried out the order and he killed Ahimelech the priest. He killed 85 priests. He killed their families. He killed their children. He killed their livestock. And I say all of that to say this this morning for a little moral of the story. It's not difficult to slay a man with your hand when you've already slain him with your mouth. Amen. Amen. 
Many people, even when we turn to Psalms like Psalms 52, Psalms 52, many believe this psalm was penned with that particular story of David and Doeg and Saul in mind. And look what Psalms 52 writes in verse number 2. He says, Thy tongue deviseth mischiefs. Thinking of Doeg here. Thy tongue deviseth mischiefs like a sharp razor working deceitfully. Thou lovest evil more than good and lying rather than to speak righteousness Salah, pause, think, consider verse 4 thou lovest all devouring words O thou deceitful tongue deceitful tongue lying God hates he does not smile upon and I use this last little illustration today to underscore that within our hearts and minds. Brother Mason, if you will come, and you all may stand with me here today. The story is recorded in 1 Kings chapter 22. Lying. Lying was such a diabolical trait, such a diabolical trait, that whenever God wanted to dismiss a wicked Idolatrous king from ruling the nation of Israel by the name of Ahab. When he was wanting to dismiss this king, the Bible says that there came a spirit forward in the presence of the Lord and said, I'll persuade him to go into battle where he will absolutely lose his life. I'll persuade him to enter the warfare this day so that his life might be lost and that kingship over Israel may be vacant. And the Bible says that the spirit that had came in, in the presence of the Lord to speak this says it was a lying spirit that was going to be sent then to work in the mouths of the prophets of King Ahab was going to be through the persuasive words of a lying spirit that they would convince a king to go into battle at Ramoth Gilead and he would not prevail. He would not survive. He would be killed in that battle. It was a lie. It's so diabolical. It was a lying spirit. Seems like things die around lying. Relationships die. Between parents and children, between husbands and wives, between members in a church family, things die. Trust dies around lying. It's hard to be trustworthy when you're lying. It's hard to trust a liar. Don't know when they're telling the truth. Lives, in many instances, I would say, even real lies have been lost at the sake of lies that have been told. But beyond all of those things, more than anything else today, what needs to just rest upon our minds is this, more importantly than anything else, is that God, God hates a lying tongue. We bow our heads in this place. Thank you.
Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.